Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. So good to see all of you, and I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, if you're joining us online or a podcast or an app, thank you as well for being here. And um, as always, I just want to invite you to get out your Bibles, your Bible out, you, Bible app. You can take out the worship guide to take notes. But um, go to the book of Luke. That's the third book in the New Testament. Go to chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 26, but we're blessed today to really be turning our eyes and our hearts and our attention to Christmas. It's, it's Christmas time, right? Christmas is, I guess, what you, you can do the math. There was some debate in my house today about how far away Christmas is, but um, it's about three weeks away. But um, we've entitled the series that we're going through this Christmas a Christmas miracle. And um, what we're doing is each week leading up to Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the Christmas story, but we're going to look at different elements in it that are simply miraculous. They're miraculous, right? And that's the thing. You, we, we, once again, and I'm going to say this a couple of times, probably over the next several, day, uh, several weeks, because it's important. Um, I understand that this story is not a new story to you. Even non-believers, non-Christians are familiar with the story, but nonetheless, it is a tremendous story. And sometimes we've read through it and we've heard it and all this stuff in so many different times that we forget how miraculous it is, but the miraculous is all throughout the Christmas story, and so we want to just examine some of the miraculous in the Christmas story. Now, before we get to our text, I do want to briefly explain to you what I mean by miraculous. Um, and the reason why is this, um, it's not uncommon today for people, a lot of us, we do it. We, we, throw, around, we throw around this word miracle or miraculous. Um, you know it's true. Maybe you go, on, you, go on to the, you, go on, you go on shopping, there's like all these cars in the parking lot, and this one car pulls out right where you want to park, and you go, look, it's a miracle. But that's, 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 that's not a miracle. That's not a miracle, man. Um, not a Bible miracle. Um, you know, maybe your favorite sports team, whatever, they win a game, they're underdogs, that's a miracle. Once again, that's not a miracle. So when I'm talking about the miraculous, I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. Here's the miraculous, okay? Here's a miracle, okay? God, the sovereign God of the universe, has put in place natural laws. And these natural laws govern the universe, right? You get things like biology, geology, zoology, really... You get all the ologies, and what they are is really just the study of the natural laws that God 
has put in, in place. And broadly, that's what we're going to call science. Science is the study of the natural laws that God has put in place. And so we got all these natural laws, and we study them, and we draw conclusions in that science. Now, by and large, well, not even by and large, we, as we're mortals, we have to obey the natural laws that God has put in place. We have to. We are subject unto them. You do not have the ability to rebel against the natural laws God has put in place. It's an impossibility. Um, an example of that, and I've done this before, but an example of that is my favorite one is gravity. Gravity is a natural law put in place by God. You and I cannot override that. I can disobey some of God's laws in the Bible, to be sure, but I cannot disobey that natural law. Every one of you here, you're watching, it doesn't matter. If you trip and you fall, you can't say, I want to rebel. I don't want to fall. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. God's natural laws are set upon us, and we have to obey them. But here's what we got to know. The sovereign God of the universe is not bound by the natural laws that he set in place. He's not bound by anything. And any time the sovereign God overrides the natural laws that he's put in place to do something that he wants to do, that's what you call a miracle. That's a miracle. That's a biblical miracle. That is miraculous when God overrides these natural laws, all right? And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to go through the Christmas story, different aspects of it, and we're going to look at the miraculous. We're not going to look at all of them. We're going to look at some of them. But the one we're going to start with today, this is miraculous, the virgin birth, right? The, the virgin birth. That's, 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 that's miraculous. Natural laws say that cannot occur. God overrides for his glory our joy, and that is miraculous. Now, the virgin birth, you need to be aware of this, is the second most controversial miracle in all of human history. It's the second most. The, the number one miraculous thing that occurred, most debated throughout all of history, is the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Easter. That's the number one. Number two is the virgin birth. Now, oddly enough, before we get to our text, you may know this, you may not, but not everybody, you know, believes in the virgin birth, all right? And I'm talking about Christians. I know some Christians. There's some guys teaching seminary who don't hold to the virgin birth, and they will say something like this. This is a, this is a rabbit trail. I'm not going to go down it because it's just going to make me upset. But they will say you can take away the virgin birth and not lose anything in Christianity. But I'm like, that's an impossibility. That is like, maybe you know these guys. You can guess, these guys these guys are like, I'm a vegetarian, but I eat steak. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. So we are going to look, like I said, at a very well-known Christian, I mean, Christmas passage. I'm not going to be saying anything you haven't heard before. Don't matter. We want to hear it, and we want to look for the miraculous. So let's get to it. Let's just walk through this amazing story. We'll begin. Let's begin this way. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to look at the miraculous messenger. We're just going to walk through this, guys. All right? Here's what the Word of God says. Here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, we're given the GPS here, man, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I mean, that's, he's putting it into the, I don't know, Apple Maps, the Google, I don't know. The other, the other day I told somebody, I go, I go, have you ever heard, <laughs> this is so lame, I'm just telling you, because I want you to hear lame stuff. I said, I go, I go, have you ever heard of the Google? And they're like, what do you mean Google? I go, the Google, man, the Google, all right? That's what it is. I'm get, I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm a dad. So, first thing I want you to notice in this text, right? I want you to notice, God 
is the initiator. We see that, what? God is sending, right? God chooses the time. God chooses the event. God chooses the messenger, church. God is always the initiator, always, all right? Now, up until this point, God had not made a revelation, a new revelation for 400 years. 400 years had passed. From the end of the Old Testament, you got Malachi, until the coming of sending of Gabriel, 400 years have passed. So it opens up, and this is a big deal. It's a big deal. God's about to make a revelation. God's about to speak. God's about to move. God's about to say something. But he's been silent for 400 years. Now, here's something I've discovered in, in the life of, I guess, all of us. But when God doesn't speak, when we're not hearing from God, no matter what it may be, I don't know, we have an anticipation. We think God should be speaking. We think God should be revealing something to us. If there is a lag time between what I expect and what God does, sometimes we have a tendency to start thinking God not doing nothing, right? We do that. God, I've been praying. God, I've been asking. God, I've been wanting. But God, I don't see you answering. So my conclusion is you're not doing nothing. My conclusion is, God, you be, you asleep at the will. But church, I want you to know there's nothing farther from the church. truth. God is never asleep at the will, okay? Just because from your point of view, it appears that God is not in charge doing stuff, you know, whatever, don't mistake. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that God is moving. God is always moving. God is always saving. God is always about God's business. All right? So, got the text. God initiates. Then we're given, well, we're given some, geogra- we're given some geographic locations. Let me just walk through this. Setting location first. Setting. In the text, it says what? Well, it says a city of Galilee. All right? City of Galilee. Now, once again, we've read this. You've heard this. Before the Lord saved me, I even had heard this. So it's not too surprising to you and I to see the word Galilee. What we need to understand is at that time, this would have been completely unexpected. They were not expecting Galilee. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scholars, the priests, all these people teaching all this stuff about the Bible, they sitting there saying, not Galilee, Judea. God's going to move in Judea, but we see it opens up. No, God's going to Galilee, right? And, and Galilee, Galilee is, 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 a, is it's just a region of Gentiles, half-breeds, people that you wouldn't necessarily even associate with. But we hear God in his sovereignty sending Gabriel to Galilee. That's a big deal. And I'll tell you right now, we got we to understand, that's the way God operates. Listen, God is not... I don't know, under the, um, he doesn't have to do what we think. God's not under a pressure to um, answer, you know, I think you should do this, God. I think you should move this way, God. I've been thinking about this. God is under no constraints at all, and surely not under my constraint. But now, okay, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Not only that, we get a location. In Galilee region, the city, Texas, Nazareth. Once again, surprising. That's surprising, that's surprising, Right? You're going to, no, God, you're bypassing Judea, and you're going to Galilee, and you're going to a little town called Nazareth. Let me tell you something right now. Nazareth, you can look for it, it ain't even in the Old Testament. Like, it ain't even mentioned. Nobody knows about no Nazareth. What do you mean, Nazareth? And you can go up, you can go up, you can go up to the, the seminaries, the educational institutes back in the day. They would have told you convincingly, nothing going to happen in Nazareth priests, scholars, experts. They, 
That's the deal, man. That's the, that's, that's the difficulty, is it not? We're going to sit there, and I can do this, and scholars can do this. We, we read the Word of God, and we think the Word of God is saying this, and we package God. God, I got a package. This is my package, God. But this is a package, God, and you're going to do what I say, God. And if you don't do what I say, well, then it's just not, it's not happening. Now it's not God. God skips Judea. He skips Jerusalem. Come on, crying out loud, man. Crying out loud. The temple's in Jerusalem. You're going to skip, going to skip the temple? What's this about? Well... It's about God, and it's about God doing what God said he's going to do, all right? This angel's sent to Galilee. He's sent to Nazareth to meet with one person, and her name is Mary. That moves us to verse 27, and we're going to see what I call the miraculous choice. This whole setup, man, is just crazy, craziness, craziness. You almost, I don't know, man. You're like sitting there saying, it's just It's just crazy. Let me read verse 27. Here's where he's going. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And here's who he's going to go see into the virgins. And the virgin's name was what? Mary. That's weird. You're doing a bypass all the places we thought you're supposed to go. You want to go to this, this young woman, Mary? She's not a scholar. She's not a priest. Check this out. She's not even a man. I don't know what, what's that about. This doesn't make sense, right? This is a young, godly woman, Mary. That's where God's going. That's where God wants to move. That's what God wants to do. Now, there's all sorts of, you can buy big books about Mary. The reality is we don't have a lot of information about Mary, so let's stick to the text. What are we told about Mary here? This is what we got to know. Mary, first, we're told, I'm sticking to the text, okay? I want to get a sketch of Mary based on the Bible. First, we're told her name, Mary. Mary is um, a pretty common name, but Hebrew equivalent would be called Miriam, and it comes from the root word bitter. Now, who's going to be naming their daughter bitter? No, that's a good question. What do you mean? Was was life tough? I mean, you, this little this little baby girl's born, and her godly parents are going to name her bitter. That's what's going on there. We also know that it was a very popular name. There are six Marys in the New Testament, so it could very well be that life was very difficult there. That's Mary. Second, she's engaged to Joseph. Third, Joseph is a descendant of David. Next, we're told she's a virgin. Actually, we're not told that. That's what the English says. Uh, the Greek is parthenos. That's a big word. It means she's young. It means she's devout. And it means she has had, now had no sexual relations, okay? So those are the, that's, the, that's the sketch of Mary. Now, people done built out all sorts of things about Mary, not according to what the text says. That's directly what we know. We can assume some things, but church, you've got to be careful making assumptions on the Bible because you start pushing stuff in it. But we, 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 we do know that, um, tradi- well, once again, you can, Parthenos, she's young. Tradition says 12 or 14. Well, you can kind of go back and look historically. Poor 12, 14, um, Galilee, first century, we know that she was probably illiterate. We know that the scripture she had Heard, she had probably memorized, heard in her home, whatever. From all worldly indications, this young woman would not be extraordinary, right? Here's the deal, guys. 
God's not into the ordinary. You know what I'm saying? I think about that, man. You know, I think about that, man. My life, man. God's into... You take, you take, you take, you take the simple. You take what you're not expecting. God shows up. God moves. God saves. God empowers. God directs. And God moves. That's this young woman. God did not get the memo about the wrong location, the wrong region, the wrong town, the wrong person, right? God, you need no memo. God, you didn't know this. And he moves. He does what he wants to when he wants to do it. And once again, I've seen this over and over again in my life, man. God takes the unexpected. God takes the weak. God takes, you know, what you wouldn't imagine, and he uses it for his glory. That's what's going on, man. Verse 28, let's keep moving. Next, we'll see the miraculous blessing. So you got God, 400 years had passed. He's sending Gabriel to this humble home. Verse 28, the angel's going to speak. You guys imagine this. And he, Gabriel, came to her, that's Mary, and said, here's what he's going to say. This is craziness, guys. This is heavy stuff, theologically deep. Look, greetings. Hi. All right. Two sections. O favored one, that's to Mary, the Lord is with you. Okay. Man, I'm telling you, I fought on this one, man. This is, this is, this is this thought on this, man. You can think about Mary. Evidently, Mary was by herself, okay? Mary, evidently, Mary was by herself. No one else is in the room. Evidently, Mary, I don't know. Maybe it's Monday morning. Maybe it's Tuesday evening. I don't know. But Mary was just doing her normal, everyday activities, okay? She's not doing anything abnormal, and the angel shows up. Here's what I think it communicates to you and I. This is what I think, all right? And I want us to understand this, okay, because it's so important. It is in our daily grind, right? It's in doing the things that God has set before you, doing it in a God-honoring way that God is glorified, God is blessed. Because you see, we got this ideal, we all got this ideal, man, you know, I'm going to have to, and people come to my office and they'll tell me stuff like this, you know, I want to go, I want to go on a grand adventure for Jesus all right, I want to go do this thing. I want to go do that thing. I want to just, what do they say? Reckless abandon for Jesus. Great, that's okay, but I'm telling you right now, man, you know, reckless abandon for Jesus, I'm telling you, just do the things that he set in front of you to do. Jesus is found in the grind, man. He is being faithful to what he's told you to do day in, day out. You're working, you're, you're, you're doing what he's given you to do. We see that. Who shows up? Gabriel. God, 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 God's there, man. And I understand from my point of view, sometimes Mondays are tough, man. Tuesdays, and you're like, man, I've been doing this. You just keep doing it, and you love Jesus through it. Now, I'm telling you, man, you can do great. You can go off and do whatever, man. But never minimize the faithfulness of everyday activity. He shows up. He says, hello, two abnormal things he says. First thing, he says what? Oh, favored one. Oh, favored one. Oh, graced one. Oh, recipient of grace from the living God. 
It's all in that. He's saying, Mary, he said the same thing to me when he saved me, and you, if you're a Christian, you didn't merit this. You didn't earn this. You didn't do anything that deserves this, but you are a recipient of the grace of the living God. That's that's what he said. That's the text. It's the text, man. Oh, favored one. That means, hear me out. I'm not trying to start any controversies here, but it means that Mary was a sinner saved by grace, just like you and I. And I know some pushback. There's even some theological, well, there's some whole denominations that would say that even Mary was without sin, that even Mary was born, well, they go on and say, of a virgin as well whole nother story. It doesn't matter. The text says she was a sinner. Mary's a sinner. Mary's a sinner. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've done the research. I did the study. I've been looking at this at least two times. Mary herself says I'm a sinner. In the Bible, two times Mary says I'm a sinner and need a savior. Let me tell you this. Luke chapter one, Mary says this, my soul, this, she says this, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. She's saying, I need a Savior, and the, my God is my Savior. That's what she's saying. She says, who needs a Savior? Only a sinner needs a Savior, right? Second time, Luke chapter 2, Mary goes to the temple, and she gives a sin offering. You don't give a sin offering unless you know you are a sin and a sinner. In fact, it is an it is an it is, it is an omission. I am a sinner and I need forgiving of sin. She gives a sin offering. Once again, Mary is saved by grace through faith, just like everybody. But Gabriel shows up and says, "You're graced." And then he says, and this is tremendous. Once again, you can you can you can, instruct, you can you, this can be applied to all Christians. I think he he says he says the Lord is with you. That's a unique phrase. Mary, the Lord is with you. It's declaring that God's presence is on her in a dynamic way. It is, it is, it is empowering her, right? So Mary is chosen. Mary is graced. Mary is empowered. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm telling you right now, Christian, that's not a unique attributes of Mary. If you're a Christian, you too have been, well, chosen, saved by grace through faith. You've been graced, and you've been empowered by God, the Spirit. God still moves. God still saves. That's Mary, verse 29. She's going to respond, all right? Well, she doesn't verbally respond, but we get an insight. Verse 29. But she, Mary, this is really cool. The way the, 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 the word kind of um, says it, greatly troubled, What's so weird about that is the word trouble in it has the indication that it's great. There is no such thing as a less troubled, troubled. But the Bible stacks these words, greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, what? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have once again found grace with God. Okay, let's think about that. Greatly troubled, greatly troubled. You know, why, 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 why are you greatly troubled? Well, I think there's multiple reasons, okay? First, she's sitting there in her daily grind, and, and, and Gabriel shows up. Now, contra- listen, contrary to what some people think angels, man, angels, angels aren't like these fat little babies, you know what I'm saying? With the, you know, eh, that's, that's not an angel, man. 
I don't even know if you're supposed to say the word fad anymore, so I apologize. You can email somebody else. But he says, don't be afraid. The angels in the Bible are magnificent. Warriors. So she's, they're fearsome. But that is not why she's troubled. The text, I love this, guys. So often the text actually answers the question, right? It says she was troubled at what he said. What had he said? He said, oh, favored one. That troubled her. The text says it, guys. I, I, you, sometimes I'm just, I, the text says it. Now, why would that, why would that trouble somebody? Why would that trouble somebody that you've been graced by the living God? Why is that troubling? Well, I can think about my own life, man. I remember when a guy told me about Jesus. Dude, that was troubling. I'm over there thinking, I'm sitting there thinking I'm an awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. Look at me, I got my cool Ray-Bans. I'm awesome, right? Case closed. God the Spirit can fix me, man. And I trembled. I trembled at the darkness of my own heart. I trembled at the greatness and holiness of a great God. I trembled knowing that I would one day be before him and I've got nothing to offer him. And then he told me the sweetest news I ever heard that Christ Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin. If I repent and believe, he'll save me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. I was graced by God. Didn't earn it. Nonetheless, I think that's what Mary's kind of pondering all of this. That leads us to verse 31, and we're going to see the miraculous child. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. Life begins at conception, guys. It's right there. And bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. So much God-glorifying information in there we could spend, I don't know, several weeks. I want to go over things, three quick things, quick things about Jesus. First, his name. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Hebrew means Yahweh saves. We're told right there. His whole mission in life is said right there. Yahweh saves. Our God is a saving God. Second, description. What does he say? He will be great. Once again, in the Greek, the word is megos. That's a a weak English. We don't have a word that really is megos. Megos means extraordinary. It means magnificent, outstanding, noble, distinguished, powerful, and eminent. You can take all the words in English that we have and stack them together, and it would fail to kind of help us understand what Megos means. The human tongue cannot contain the magnificent glory of the child that is Jesus, and that's what we're told right there. Not only that, we're told he's the son of the God most high, very essence of the living God. We get his whole, I don't know, resume here. Then we get his, the child's reign, his reign. He will reign over the house of Jacob um, forever. That's what I'm talking about. In his kingdom, there will be no end, right? Well, Mary gets all that information, and I don't know, man. That's a lot to take in. I don't know. Mary thinks about it. Get to verse 34. Mary's going to ask a logical question. Look at this, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, that's Gabriel, how will this be since I am Parthenos? I'm a virgin. 
How's it going to be, man? Come on, man. I don't know, man. I, I maybe I don't know a young female and all that, and I may not be that educated, but you tell me how this is going to be. And I'm telling you what, I understand the natural laws, man. I understand the natural laws, man. The natural laws say that's an impossibility. Everything I see, everything I know, that is an impossibility, right? Miraculous church. Remember, God's not bound by the natural order that he's put in place, right? He supersedes it. Call it a miracle. So she asked, how will this be? Now, I want to talk about this a minute because this is an interesting question, all right, right? I want to, you got to follow me on this, guys, because it, it teaches us something. Okay, that is a question. Well, it's a question of doubt. How can this be? Now, I want to kind of sidestep here, okay? A lot of lovely people come and talk to me. We meet, I meet with lovely people. One of the biggest questions that people struggle with is they say, I got doubts. I got doubts. I doubt this. I doubt that. I just, I'm not for sure. I'm not the certainty. I got doubts. But I want you to follow me on this, all right? Mary asked this question, how will this be? And in just a moment, Gabriel is going to give her an answer. The curious thing to me is in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel says basically the same thing to this man named Zechariah. He goes up to Zechariah and he says, your wife Elizabeth will give birth. Now that's going to be John the Baptist. So Gabriel shows up to Zechariah one chapter earlier and says something very similar Zechariah asked basically the same question. He says, how shall I know this? Follow me on this. Zechariah says, how shall I know this? Mary, a chapter later, says, how will this be? Very similar questions, both questions of doubt, okay? But Gabriel responds differently to both the questions. Similar questions, different response. All right, follow me on this. Think through this, think through this. Zechariah, he asks the question. Gabriel kind of puts him in time out. He takes away his voice. He gets a punishment. He asks the question, how shall I know this? Gabriel says, you can't speak, man. That's a punishment. Mary asks, how will this be? And Gabriel answers. What's the difference? What's the, di- this is imp- what's the difference, okay? Had Zechariah just encountered, I don't know, a Gabriel who was grumpy? Had Gabriel just not, I don't know, had his coffee? No, no, no. Here's what we need to know. It comes to doubt. We all have it. There's two kinds of doubt. There's a bad doubt and there's a good doubt. Follow me here, okay? Bad doubt. Bad doubt grows out of disbelief. Proud heart. You hear the promises of God and you say, I don't believe it. I will not believe it. That's Zechariah. No, that's his. How shall I know this? I don't believe that, Gabriel. Gabriel, you're up here lying to me. You're saying falsitudes to me. That's not even a word. I know it, but you know what I'm saying. That's not right. There's a good doubt. This is the doubt I think many of us have, right? It's a doubt that grows out of wonder. It's a doubt that grows out of awe, right? I hear the promises of God. I hear them. 
I do not understand them. I can't comprehend them. I do believe them, and I want to walk in them. That's Mary's doubt, okay? Two doubts, two responses. Mary's response, humble. You've been there, church? You've been there? You've been there? I've been there. I'm reading the Word of God. I'm like, dude, I don't get that. I don't doubt it. I don't know how that's going to work out. That's a good doubt. My point is this. Church, it's okay to ask questions. God's shoulders are big enough to answer your questions. But you got to be prepared for what you're going to say. You're going to say stuff maybe you don't quite understand. Just worship him. That leads us to verse 35, the miraculous power. We'll read this quick. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's God the Spirit. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. A lot going on there. We're not going to talk about the incarnation today, all right? But God says, I'm taking care of this. I'm going to overshadow this. I'm going to empower this. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, that's who we've been talking about in chapter 1, in her old age, has also conceived a son. That's John the Baptist. And this is the sixth month with her son who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. A lot of stuff we could talk about there. One thing I want to talk about, verse 37, church, for nothing is impossible with God. Church, church, nothing is impossible with God. I cannot tell you how many times I've thought about that statement. That's empowering. That's encouraging. I've been in some desperate situations. I've been in some bad times, man. And you go back to this. Hey, listen, there's nothing possible with God. There's nothing impossible with God. That gives you, he's sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. It's always good. There is nothing impossible with God. Let that sink in. I don't know what you're going through. You're watching or listening. I don't know what you're going through. That's some tough stuff, man. But I don't want you to ever doubt that nothing's impossible with God. I don't, you, get, you think, uh, you think uh, I don't know, you got a relative or a friend, you've been praying to come to faith. You think that guy's a knucklehead, he's going off. I've been praying for him for 10 years. He's worse off now than when I started praying. Keep praying, man. Keep praying. Keep praying. Why? There's nothing impossible with God. I don't know, man. At your job, whatever, looks bleak. Nothing is impossible with God. Marriage, nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, here we go. And Mary said, behold, look at this. This is how you respond. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's altogether miraculous. I love Mary. I love Mary for so many reasons. What an amazing, amazing woman. Her response, I don't understand all this. I don't understand what you're talking about. May it be to me your will. That's what she says. I'm God's servant. Being a servant doesn't mean, is not predicated upon the fact that I understand everything you've done revealed to me predicated upon the fact that I do what you've asked me to do. That's Mary. Be to me as you have said. It's a miraculous birth. That's good, man. Next week, we're going to continue and look at the miraculous fulfillment of prophecy. But let me say this. I'm going to pray in just a moment. 
question might be, how do I respond to this story, man? How do I respond to this? How do I respond to God sending Gabriel? How do I respond to him in intervening Mary's life? How do I respond to all of this? Here's how you respond. If you're not a Christian, man, repent and believe. Fall on your face. Kiss the dirt. Save me. Save me. Save me. And he will because he's good. That's our God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this tremendous story and Our ears have heard it maybe many, many, many times. I pray that it would never become boring to us. I pray that it never become familiar to us. I pray that we would always be in awe of what you've done and what you're doing. I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, that they would repent and believe. Father, I pray, I pray that you invade our lives. I pray that you save. I pray that you use us for your glory. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.